But first up, I want to turn my attention to the issue of dyslexia because one of our listeners wants to talk about the difficulty her daughter had getting a diagnosis. And Siobhan is on the line. Siobhan, you got in touch with us about your daughter's uh, dyslexia diagnosis. Tell us a little bit about that journey to try and get her diagnosed. Sure. So for the past, I guess, since she went into primary school, really, we've had difficulty, particularly with homework. Um, And then, you know, the standardised tests that they give kids every May in school, she wouldn't score very well in those. And she was very upset about it. She was very frustrated. And we were doing everything we could to try and help her, getting her, you know, books that, that read out loud to her. We really, we were trying everything. The school were great. They gave her extra tuition in school and they gave us tips and things that we could do. But we didn't have a diagnosis. So we just didn't know we didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest with you. Looking back on it now, all the tears with, with the homework and everything, I wish we had have known sooner. So it was very, very stressful. This past year in school, she got the most brilliant teacher and his brother is dyslexic. And very quickly, he realized that he suspected that she was. So when we had our parent-teacher meeting in November, we discussed it and I said, look, homework ends in tears every day. Very stressful for her. She keeps on saying, I'm stupid. I don't understand. Why don't I understand? So he said to me, look, never go more than 30 minutes with homework. And if it's not finished, she will never get in trouble. It's absolutely fine. And the school is allotted a psychologist to come and do assessments on a few children every year. And they will tend to pick the children who are having the most learning difficulties. And our daughter just didn't fall into that category for the previous years. But her teacher actually pushed for her to have the assessment. He has been brilliant. So she met with the psychologist from the Department of Education. We met with a psychologist, the teacher, the principal. So it's quite a lengthy. The psychologist probably spends seven or eight hours altogether with, with everyone, you know. And she puts, um, she does like testing and stuff with our daughter. And then we get called back in and we get told, right, yes, your daughter is dyslexic, which initially it's a relief because I have suspected it for so long and it's, and it's good to know what you're dealing with. That's the first thing. Um, I didn't actually know you could have your child tested privately until after this. We, we started to go through this process. If I had known that, I would have done it ages ago. Um, so the psychologist, she was quite cold and clinical about the whole thing. It's very difficult to sit there and listen to somebody say, your child is failing in this direction and your child is failing in that direction. And you want to shout at her and say, but she's the best Gaelic player mm. on the team. She's the most creative child we have. And anyhow, she, the Department of Education gives children a standard IQ test. It's part of the assessment. And this is where the big problem comes in. If the child scores above 90 in this standard IQ test, they will get support from the Department of Education. If they score below 90, they will not get that support. Okay? So giving a standard IQ test to a child displaying signs of dyslexia, it's really unfair. It's like giving a test on picking out colours to someone who's colourblind. You're stacking the odds against them before you even start. So she scored 82. And the psychologist said, so look, she's going to need a laptop. She's going to need assistance. She's going to need a reading pen. And um, I said, OK, so wh- who gives her who gives her these things? Mm. What happens? And she said, well, you have to get them yourself because she didn't score above 90. And I don't I, I don't understand yeah, that, though. What, like, I didn't understand it either, Susan. Yeah, I said, so she scored below 90, which would suggest she needs it more. More than someone who would yeah. score above 90, I yep. would have thought. And she said, I know it is a bit of a contradiction, but that's just the way it's it's done. And I could just feel the steam coming out of my ears. And I said, so that's just the way it's done. So a child who needs support more 
pays for it themselves. Doesn't get it. So I said, okay, so right, I need to buy a laptop. And, and what is this pen? What is this reading pen? She said, yeah, get the laptop, get the reading pen. Uh, the pen's about 200 euro. The laptop's probably 300 euro. She didn't tell me what laptop, where to go. I didn't know anything about what this pen was she was talking about. So she left and the principal and the teacher said, come back in and let's have another chat. And they were the teacher and the principal, they couldn't have been more supportive. They've been brilliant. So I went looking for the pen and we got the laptop. Then I started looking for this pen. I went to the usual electrical out, you know, stores mm. in the retail park. None of them had it. Um, the psychologist didn't tell me what, what it was, where to get it. I found a company in Sligo, uh, their online, CompuPack IT, and I spoke to a fellow in there called Barry. He was more helpful to me than the Department of Education. I had rang the Department of Education and I had been put from one department to another department to another department, just trying to get information on what is the best thing that we can do. Is there apps that we can use? Is there a program that we can use? You know, to sit down, we have to teach her how to type. That's really important. And I was thinking there's probably like a special program that they'll say, this is a great program for kids with dyslexia. They weren't giving me anything. They weren't giving me any help, any support. They were just putting me to the next department and the next department. So the guy in CompuPack IT was really helpful. And I spoke with the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. They were really helpful. And they agreed that this IQ test that they're giving kids that they're testing for dyslexia, they're really stacking the odds against the child because you're giving them a test in the very thing that they're struggling with. And you're expecting them to score high in order to get the support they need. That makes absolutely no sense. So it just makes no sense. And it gets worse. So after you get the laptop and you get the pen, you then have to apply through the Department of Education for what's called accommodation for her to be able to use the laptop and the pen when she's going like into secondary school, when she's doing her junior cert. So because they didn't issue it, you have to ask them and kind of get their permission to use it, even though they've told you you have to get it. The whole thing is so messed up. I, I actually questioned my own sanity. I, I, I'm like, I said to the psychologist, so she needs it more than a kid who scores above 90, but you're not giving it to her. But we need to go and get it for her. And then we need to ask for Apply your permission to use for her it. to use it. So, yeah, that yeah. it really makes no sense. But there's a lot yeah. of things in that story, Siobhan, and you told it very, very well from the from the beginning to kind of how you got yeah. to the diagnosis. But the first thing that really, you know, um, strikes me about it is your daughter was only diagnosed because she was lucky enough to land in with this teacher who happened yeah. to have a brother who was mm-hmm. dyslexic. So, yeah. I mean, for the fact that your child got diagnosed, there'll be hundreds of others who yeah. won't be lucky enough to land in in front of that, that man and for him to have recognised that you know, and this yeah. was the problem and put right. her forward for the assessment. She wouldn't have been assessed. No, and I didn't know you could do it privately. And we I wonder how much it costs to do it privately. Euro. 400, 400 euro. But euro. that's not going to be possible for everybody. No. There'll be lots of parents who might think that they have trouble, their child has yeah. a problem in school, but they won't be able to do that. And then if they're not lucky enough to mm. be picked out for the assessment, yeah. they don't land in in front of this brilliant teacher, then they're going to be into their whatever age before they get diagnosed. They do, even if they do get assessed, if they don't score above 90, boo-hoo, you're not getting the support you need from the Department of Education. It is so wrong. And, and, and like the, the Dyslexia Association of Ireland is trying to get that test taken off the assessment. It is a ridiculous test to give a child. A child who struggles with reading and writing, you're giving them a standard IQ test. It is so unfair. And it's just, you're just literally, you're, you're just putting another, you're just, you know, you're putting another 
obstacle in front of them to say, you know what, you're not clever enough. You're not even clever enough to get the support that you Siobhan, need. Siobhan, what age you. is your daughter now? She just turned 12. Okay, so this has been kind of a problem for the whole of her primary school. Oh, the whole way through. Oh, homework. I mean, homework, my husband and I took turns because... It was so stressful. So stressful. And, you know, thankfully, the the school has been very good, given her extra support. But until you know what you're dealing with, you don't know what is the right support to be given. So we know now. And um, there's such a demand for these reading pens now. And I I wouldn't get it on, say, Amazon or something. You're going to need support. You're going to need to be able to talk to somebody. There's so much demand for these pens now that they've just brought one out with an Irish accent. Up until a couple of weeks ago, you couldn't get one with an Irish accent. You could only get, like, an English one. And now you can get an Irish one. So there is a demand. So this is a, this is a big problem in Ireland. A lot of children have learning difficulties. And I think the schools get seven assessments a year. So, like, it's really not enough. A lot more needs to be done. And there should be some sort of a grant or some sort. There isn't even, they never even said, here's an information booklet. There was nothing. There was no help given. And then I'm scrambling around. So, look, I run mums.ie's parenting website. I started asking other people, anybody else going through this? Can anybody give me pointers? What typing programs should we be using? You don't, it's incredible you know? that you wouldn't be furnished with that information. Yeah. You're doing your best to try and help her yeah. along. I'd be really interested to hear from people if this is something that they've been through. How hard was it for you to get a diagnosis for your child? Maybe you're actually an adult uh, with dyslexia and you may not have been diagnosed until you were an adult and what kind of problems did that cause you? Is there enough support? Do let me know. 53106 for your text. You can also call us 1890 I would love to hear your views on dyslexia see you live on air or tweet us today at lunchtime live NT. Siobhan, thanks for talking to us and explaining that so well. I mean, it gives a good outline of how hard it can be to actually get the diagnosis. And as we say, with everything the same with autism or any of those, um, any anything like that, until you get your diagnosis, you can't move forward. You can't put a plan in place. And Nadine is also on the line. Nadine, your dyslexia was only picked up when you actually started university. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, hi there, how are you? Um, I was, uh, I went to return to university. I left school at 16 um, in the North Island. Um, I left school at 16, went to the tech, didn't really do a pilot, was told at school that I had brains but didn't apply myself. Uh, I went, worked for 14 years, went back to come come back home. I was in America for a while, come back home and uh, decided I wanted to get an education and that I was ready to learn, and I came home and got my levels and got accepted into Queen's University to study accounting. Um, within the first year, uh, I realised I was like, I'm putting in 20, 30 hours work a week, uh, reading and reading and going over things, and first exams sat before I'd even the results, I was like, I'm not cutting down. What I'm taking in is not coming out, I'm, I'm taking in far too much information, and it's not going on the paper the way I want it to go. There's something not right. Okay. So um, I then contract with um, my teach my uh, was like the the tutor was it for my year there. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the the the, guy, the lady that was over my home course, and she said, you know, maybe she put me on to it was um, learning services at, at Queens, and I spoke to a lady there, and she was like, uh, maybe you should be Texas tested for dyslexia and I was like I don't have dyslexia my sister had dyslexia I definitely don't have it so she was like well you can you can uh, 
be tested. You, you may as well be tested for it to see. So to be tested, it costs £350. And if I was to have it, they would give me the money back. And if I didn't, it was out of my own pocket. But I went to be tested. And lo and behold, it came back that I had dyslexia. And tell me, you were really, you were surprised, Nadine, I guess, because tell me the difference between you and your sister. How did you, why did you think you didn't have it compared to, say, your sister? Well, my sister um, was diagnosed with dyslexia when she was P2, so she was about six or seven. So you she just thought if you had early. it, you'd be, you'd be diagnosed. You just couldn't understand how you wouldn't have been diagnosed throughout yeah. your school no, years. The my sister was, she, like, her D's and B's would be mixed up. Her words would be all back to front. Uh, you know, her counting, everything was off. Whereas I could read, I could sing, uh, read it off the sheet, no bother. The words didn't annoy me or, you know, just different things. But I found out then, further on down the line, that I was that focused on getting the words right when I was reading. I wasn't taking in anything oh, okay. that, was, that I was actually reading. And that's why when you were doing all that study in your first year, you were reading, putting in all the work. But when you'd go to actually try and regurgitate it in an exam, nothing would come out. Yeah, that was the way it went. But the difference was like I have like I I have graduated in the summer there with my degree. But my sister, it's like a stereotype too that people are like, oh, another you're dyslexic. Oh, you must be a slow learner because my sister for for years was like, oh, we don't. That's all she can do. That's all she's able for. Well done. Whereas with me, I was constantly told that, you know, I, I, I didn't apply myself enough. They, you know, they had, in, in school, because they didn't pick it up on me, they had me thinking that it was just that I wasn't interested and but there was an actual problem there. So you spent all your, when I went back. you spent all your primary school and your, your second level schooling thinking that you just weren't applying yourself properly or that that's what yeah. the teachers thought of you. Yeah, I just liked maths and science because they were the doing subjects. Uh, everything else. that's only two GCSEs I got I failed everything else and tell me Nadine how then once you were diagnosed how did you what kind of uh, support did you get with Queen's then to get your course finished I got the support I got was second to none I got um, they, they once they assessed me they brought me in they spoke to me about the reading pen and the reading was the big thing for me because I, I was less focused on reading I wasn't taking in what I was reading and they set me up with a dyslexia tutor and I went to see her once a week um, for most, for the first two years anyway. Um, and she taught me all these different methods of reading that, you know, when I read a paragraph to put like maybe one or two words beside it to teach. So then whenever I went to go over it, I would just, these two keywords would bring back what I had got. The small pieces take breaks. They give me, um, for exams, I had a reader. I had an actual person come into my own room which was unreal my own room they would the, the lady would come in with me she would read the exam to me I'd have my paper she'd have hers she'd read it out if I was stuck on something or needed her to go over it she would be back and forward then I'd get her to read back what I wrote because it was listening if I could hear it I'd pick it up far quicker than read it myself um, they give me 25% extra time in my exam they give me paper allowances they give me printing allowance Every teach, every every tutor, lecturer knew who I was because I think I was maybe one of two dyslexic, uh, dyslexic people in my course, which had 120 students in it. And um, the, the the care and the help I got was second to none. Nadine, tell me, what does the reading pen do? Because Siobhan mentioned that as well, and I didn't actually ask her. Tell, just for for those of us unfamiliar with it, what exactly does it do? 
I never got the reading pen, but the reading pen is it's just like a normal pen and you'll scan it over you'll put it over your paper or and it'll read the sentence to you out loud. Like Oh, okay. It'll just read it to you. Have you ever heard you no know, like the computer programs that'll read back to you if you've typed something? They'll, they'll read it back to you. But they also give me, there was a, a Barry Bennett that Queen's did, did all their stuff with, but I got the programs I got on my computer were second to none. I got, um, it's, I think it was called Read and Write Goals. So I had headphones, so rather than me typing, because my big thing was rewriting and rewriting and rewriting to learn it. They, I had headphones, so everything I'd done, I just, I spoke it into the computer and it typed for me. And type it for you. Um, Nadine, you've, yeah. you've come out the other end of it in the sense that you've got your qualification and everything, but, uh, you know, are you ever raging that, you know, it wasn't picked up when you were in school or in secondary school or earlier than it was? I I am, and, and, and I, I, I do wish I, it would have been picked up on, but I'm glad it wasn't because back then, like I'm 34 now and I've just got my degree and I went back to school at 30, but 15 years ago, it would have it would have been stereotype. I'd have been slow. But my poor sister, like she never she she left school at fourteen, fifteen. She you know, it it was never for her because they they kind of lost the run of her and she never got any further. Now she has her own son, and she's afraid because he's going to need help with English if he's starting school next week, and she's she's afraid for all that because she she ha she hasn't got the tools to help mm. him with that. Whereas. I kind of struggled on and got on with it and could get past it. But Danielle was held, she was held back because it was always, for you, that's as good as you can do. Whereas for me, I didn't realize I had a problem and I was already enrolled in, in university and got all the help that I could get. Like, So I'm glad in that way that I didn't. And, and I also find at a young age, at that stage, I find my way of learning. I know now that it, it's things that intrigue me that make me learn. I learn by doing. But yeah, it can be very learning, specific, you know, like um, different types. What What about your sister, Nadine? Can Can anybody get her some help then, so she can in turn help her son when he does go need her help in school? I will. Is she in the? There's a, like a a local like a tech. I don't know, like further education college uh, process, and she would now the, the help in the north that you get once you're diagnosed. The help you get is, is unreal. Like, but I do feel it's further education that you get the most help because I have a nephew on my husband's side, and he's been recently diagnosed. And they didn't diagnose him. You have to be eight years and eight months old before they can actually diagnose you with it in the north. And they have told her, his mother, that they have to strip everything he's learned so far back, and they have to start him from scratch again. But he's now going to P6. Like two years, he'll be going to secondary school. Mm. So I don't know how they're going to to do that, but. Once you get past, I think, once you get past GCSEs or leavings or junior start with you, you get more help. But it's get—it's a hard work for the parents getting to that. Yeah, getting, point. and we heard that from Siobhan, a long road with, with lots of uh, nights doing homework, really, really difficult. Nadine, thanks so much for talking to us on Lunchtime Live and telling us your story. Liam is also on the line. Liam, you suffer from dyslexia. What was your experience? Um, my experience um, was, uh, that I had the help from a very early age because the first teacher I ever had uh, uh, recognised what I had and told my mum. So then she went out and got uh, got me assessed by an orb that I can't, even, can't remember the name of them, what they're called, but one of those people who assessed dyslexia and then I was eventually found out that I had dyslexia. Then when I was about 10 mm. I found out I had uh, then another teacher suspected that I had dyslex- uh, dyspraxia because I couldn't I was struggling with my new writing and so 
so then I was my man did the same thing basically went out got some an orthopedist uh, to assess me again for uh, dyspraxia and they I had the confirmed the diagnosis I had dyspraxia as well but since an early age I have had the, the help um, because there's in my school there was a thing called resource this was where you'd go uh, for a period of time during the school time you'd be taken out of class and you'd go to an extra room you could be by yourself or with three or four uh, different people with the same fiction in the same year or even in the class and they would just help you with your basic uh, the basics like math and english so you'd be going over all the english you've probably done in class or even just do extra work with them and like the then when i went in the secondary school that system was still there the resource you could get extra help and Liam tell me did your when you say when you um, you got diagnosed with dyslexia very young are you talking about junior infants like was it your very first teacher that noticed something in you yeah so you've kind you kind of got the help from five or six onwards uh, I'd say about five yeah I got it from when I was in senior infants and that was because your mom, you know made sure that you were assessed how have you gotten on in secondary school um, I've had resource since I was in first year and I, then in, uh, what was it, third year, the, I think it was the skill, uh, the, uh, sport of education get offered my mom a computer yeah. for, uh, for my writing because it was so bad at the, uh, it was just not unreadable. Yeah. So I was basically given a, a computer to read and I found that that the the uh, uh, the things I needed were there and offered. So when I came to my junior search and leaving search for my junior search, I was given a scribe. That's the person who writes out everything and reads everything for you. And you just give and them the answers, then, they write them down for you. Yeah, basically that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And then in my leaving search, I got a computer to uh, write out everything for me. And that worked out okay for you. What advice would you have for parents then, um, inter- Liam, in terms of like, you know, if they're if they are worried about their children or they're wondering, is there an issue? What what advice would you have for them, considering you know your mom did such good work for you? Yeah, the thing is, you if you want to get an immediate assessment, you go private because my mom got like a loan from the credit union, went to the nearest or the therapist, therapist, and just got. Um, immediately got uh, an assessment done. Yeah. So if you want to find out immediately, you go pro- uh, you go to the nearest orthotherapist and they'll tell you what you want to hear, tell you what you want to know. Mm. And then, but other advice I would, if you are if you are diagnosed, the, there are things like for, or for dyslexia or dyspraxia, it's just about practice. So like m- m- my mum and me would like every night I'd read something before I go to bed for a while, like just simple stories for the kids. And I'd read a couple of, try and read like four or five pages a night. And for my writing, I'd have to, during the weekend or even after school, I'd take uh, like a half an hour or an hour and 
just write out words or even just letters. So it's just, just practice, 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 practice. Yeah, that's all you can really do, I find. And have you done your Leaving Cert Leam or what are you doing now? I'm in college. And what are you studying? Uh, networking technology. Very good. And do you, you can use your laptop then for any assignments in college and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I use it for um, all my assignments and I also use an, a laptop for my exams. Okay, that's a really good story. I hope you're very good to your mom. It sounds like she was very good to you over those years. A really good advocate for you to be trying to, to fight for you and making sure you practice your reading and your writing um, all the time. Yeah. Oh. And, I, and and there is just, it, it just takes time. And to so be patient, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sure, like I'm sure for the person who is dyslexic or has dyspraxia, they feel that frustration hugely as well. So if the people around you are getting frustrated or impatient with you, I guess that can be really uncomfortable for the person that's actually going through it. Yeah, that's definitely true. Okay, Liam, thanks so much for talking to us on Lunchtime Live. It was lovely to talk to you. Um, A couple of texts in here that I want to get to from a psychologist. Uh, Your guest is slightly misinformed. I think this is in relation to Siobhan, who was speaking to us. Standard IQ tests don't assess reading or writing. They assess innate abilities, some of which are learned or acquired. The test does measure working memory, which is usually an issue in children with dyslexia, but accommodations can be made, but not enough supports for kids with dyslexia in school. It absolutely sounds like there certainly um, isn't. We're going to take a quick break. Loads of you getting in touch. We are going to return to this topic after the ads. Susan sitting in for Kira Kelly on Lunchtime Live this Friday. It is unscripted so we're talking about whatever you want to talk about today. We did start the programme by talking about dyslexia. Lots and lots of people getting in touch about how hard it can be to get to, to get a diagnosis. We heard from Siobhan and Nadine there. Some stories of long roads to get a diagnosis and then a lack of support when you do finally get that diagnosis. Podrick is on the line. Podrick, tell us the story of your dyslexia. Hi, Susan. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say what an inspiration that last guy was. Yeah, I know. Was Wasn't he, he was incredible? Really, really and great. also oh, his mom, mom like, oh, who really helped Amazing. him, clearly. Yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be good in life, I have to say. Fair play to him. Um, so I suppose my story was, I'm going back maybe uh, about 20 years ago um, or over when I was diagnosed. I was in um, a Christian Blur school and uh, I was going to, um, I, was, I was always one of these students that was sitting up the front and wanted to learn and wanted to always do my best, but always found it struggling to, to do well in exams or, or tests. And uh, it was always put down as that I was just lazy or, or slow or whatever it was. And I got grinds and um, things throughout the years, but nothing was ever helping because I was getting the grinds that were helping me to would say write better or read better but they weren't helping me to they weren't giving me the the tools to deal with dyslexia okay so at that point i i i, I wasn't diagnosed so then my mother um uh, she ended up um, looking further into it um and uh, i think I, now i'm going back a long time now i think it was a private test that she got okay and um and then from there i was diagnosed but, and what age um, were you then, Park? I would have been about fifteen or sixteen at this point. Okay. Um, I I remember it was it would have been after my um my junior cert. 
So it was. Yeah, so you would have been, been fifteen about, or sixteen. Yeah. yeah so your there. mom took you um, for a private test, and you were diagnosed. And what difference did it make then when you actually got the official diagnosis? Well, in school, it actually made things harder because um, the teachers didn't really know um, how to deal with that. Okay. Um, and they didn't really understand it. Um, so then I was kind of put off to the side in a way. So, um, so that was in school, and that really, that really affected me personally in, in a lot, um, having to deal with, with the teachers and or them dealing with me and being special or different. Um, and then also, um, my mother ended up, she, she got uh, private tu- tutors to come into my house. And that, again, was something that I didn't, um, I was now, you know, labelled as being dyslexic. And now I had a tutor coming to my house who every week, once a week, we would bring in a table into the front room and nobody was allowed into the front room. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, even the tutor, he, I didn't have any kind of personal connection with that, that guy. Okay. So it was, I, I just you hated, hated the whole whole thing around it yeah so this is actually one thing that when listening to your your email uh, um your caller there earlier on um one thing that i would i would say to her is that um you know having her child deal with it now is a great thing because for me it put in um mechanisms and learning tools for me to to hide my dyslexia Okay, but it's like anything, like any anything is better early. Like, I mean, everything from getting chicken pox, it's better if it happens early. Mm. Like, you know, these things just get harder if something that should be dealt with as a child, you know, isn't dealt with until you're 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. You add into that mix then all the other crap that's going on when you're 15 and 16. So like it's Mm -hmm. a perfect storm then for a bit of a nightmare. So absolutely, these things should be diagnosed early and then intervene, like people should intervene early. Mm -hmm. No, totally, totally. So tell um, me how the rest of secondary school, you had your tutor, hated every minute of it, but you, you stuck with it, yeah, did you? I, yeah, once a week. It was just once a week. Um, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but once a week. And um, it helped a little bit. But at that stage, I had put in, would say that like my, my mechanisms of, of kind of pushing it away or hiding it. And I, I kind of like um, didn't want to deal with it at all. Um, because I, I suppose I was probably a little bit older at that stage then as well. So mm. I, was, I was able to kind of fight it in a way. Um, I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be in another classroom. I didn't want to be, um, have a special consideration. Now, I did get consideration in, in my leaving cert. I had um, a, a woman um, uh, reading uh, the questions for me, and, but, but I actually had to write the questions myself you had to write have, the answers. I had to write the answers mm. myself, but I didn't have her to help me with the spellings. Okay. So all she did was read the question for me. Um, yeah, so... Um, but and after leaving school, cert then, yeah, were you, were, were you kind of really wanting to not go into any other study then once you got school over with? Um, no, I ended up um, going... Well, I took a year out um, and then I ended up going to um, fitness college. Um, for the entire time of my fitness college in three years, I didn't tell anybody that I was dyslexic. So I went through the whole college um, without any consideration, special consideration. Um, I excelled. I was like one of the leading um, pupils in the, in the college. Um, uh, I did very, very well. But when it came to my exam, the practical, I, did, I um, got all high results in. Um, but the, the writing part, I actually failed my exams. 
Okay, um, and they didn't and know you were surprising. dyslexic. No, nobody knew at that time. At that time, so it was all very surprising. Why did I fail and so on and so forth? So then, um, then I disclo- disclosed to everybody that I, to my tutors and stuff that I was dyslexic, and uh, the it, an application went down to um, Limerick um, uh, to say that. Uh, that I was dyslexic and would there be any uh, special consideration that I could do the exam again. So I ended up having to drive down to Limerick and doing a um, a verbal exam. Okay, and, and you, you, you passed that. So that means yeah. you got your course then. Yeah, 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 I did, yeah. And did you, was it again, was it just kind of... Um, I suppose after being a little bit othered in secondary school and, you know, having the private tutor come to the house and been in a different classroom, when you got to mm-hmm. college where you just determined to kind of keep that side of things quiet, you probably thought that, you know, nobody would ever blow your cover. But, you know, d- eventually you were probably going to have to sit down and do an exam. So, you know, eventually that mm-hmm. was probably going to ha- be what ha- would happen. Yeah, I thought that, um, I thought, going to the exam that I would have been good enough to to pass them. okay because I um, I loved doing what I did um and it was the the, the perfect thing for me um, um so I just I assumed that I would pass um and does it cause you any problems in your normal life now that you're working or whatever do you are you aware you're dyslexia oh, or do you totally. manage, in what way oh, give totally. me examples of that actually well um a few years ago this actually goes back to a few years ago um where I uh, was was kind of struggling in life and um, struggling with work and not making money and uh, I had to start doing advertisement for myself and uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't sit down at the computer and put things together okay. because I was just af- um, afraid to make mistakes you know and uh, and not do it right and I could never do something like so so, so for example if I wanted to write a sentence um, I would manipulate the sentence to to something that I could write, but not what I wanted to say. So therefore, if I if I didn't um, write what I wanted to write, um, I wouldn't do it. Okay, so, that's really interesting. So you just yeah. you just you avoided putting yourself in that situation, even totally. though you knew doing up advertisements or doing some work on the computer might actually help you get work. You were yeah. you were kind of avoiding it. Yeah, totally, totally. So. Um, um, so then I I, I I had to do something. So um, I ended up, um, I was going to a counsellor as well. And um, we, we, we realised, from different, a uh, couple of different things. And then we realised how my coping mechanisms was set back when I was 16, mm-hmm. 15, 16. So this is how I dealt with these things. So now what I really needed to do was, was to deal with how I deal with my dyslexia. So unpick those things, like unpick the kind of coping mechanisms. Is that what they wanted you to do? Exactly. So therefore, I'd be able to cope with other things in my life as well that was bothering me at the time. So um, I ended up dealing with with, um, disclosing that I have dyslexia, even coming on the radio now is, you know, I was on radio before about it. Oh, yeah, totally. And not even, you know, some of my friends, my good friends probably don't even know I'm dyslexic. I've never disclosed it to them. Not that they need to know, but mm. I had never disclosed it to them. Um, or my work colleagues as well. Some of my work colleagues um, pro- probably don't know. But um, so, so now what my, my thing is that I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to, to, to let it be known. So therefore, I can ask for help in small little things. Or that if someone asks me to do something, 
um, I will disclose to them that I'm dyslexic, so... You might you have a problem me? with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, not really have a problem with it. No, but just that you would say to somebody, uh, I am dyslexic, so that could cause me an issue. Can you maybe yeah. help me with that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, see, so what I didn't want to do, what I didn't want them to know, or the reason why I didn't want them to know is because I didn't want them to not give me the job. Mm. So, so therefore, I, in previous occasions, I would have said, um, I would have said nothing and done the job to my best ability. Um, which probably wasn't the way I wanted to do it, because if it was a writing job or having to do notes and so on and so forth, um, I would write them the way I could write them, not the way I wanted to write them. Okay, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Porg, we're out of time there, but thanks so much for talking to us on Lunchtime Live. That's really interesting to hear your journey through it. And 53106 for any of your texts, anybody who has been diagnosed with dyslexia, maybe it didn't happen until you were into adulthood, like Podrick's story there. Maybe you have a child who you're trying to get diagnosed and they have issues in schools. In school, let me know, 53106. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Now, Susan Kyo sitting in for Kira on Lunchtime Live this Friday. It is Lunchtime Live on Scripted and we have been talking about dyslexia since we came on air. Lots of people looking for advice. People who are trying to get their children diagnosed. People who didn't get diagnosed in, until they were in the, into adulthood and the fact that it caused them problems and also a lot of criticism in relation to the amount of support that is out there for people who have dyslexia. Loads and loads of texts coming in. I want to try and get to some of them. Uh, the education system works fine for 80% of students but if you fall outside that with dyslexia and dyspraxia the system cannot cope and is a torture for them another text in here can I ask when should you be diagnosed with dyslexia and what intervention if any are available my daughter is eight there is a question mark over whether or not she may have it as her reading and her spelling is well below average I have consulted with the school about getting a test done and I will pay for it but they are telling me it is if of it is of no benefit at this stage and a diagnosis really only matters when it comes to exams I had thought that there may be intervention available to help her now if she is in fact dyslexic can anyone advise now we are going to be speaking to somebody after the news with some more advice for anybody who is wondering about dyslexia but I want to give you the Dyslexia Association of Ireland Uh, they have advice on this issue their website is www.dyslexia.ie their phone number is 01877 and also just to mention we were talking to Shiva Siobhan from mams.ie and she has tweeted us to say that she has more information on her website Uh, some advice for parents who are going through this Um, it's one of the topics up on their website for discussion so you may want to have a look at that a couple of other texts it's important to note that no two people with dyslexia will present with exactly the same problem individuals are not dyslexic they have dyslexia and that came in from Ed in Cork that is an interesting point we did hear from uh, Nadine earlier in the programme who went right up until college before she was diagnosed and even when someone mentioned to her that she may have dyslexia she said no because her sister had it and it presented in a very uh, different way when her sister was young and she was actually diagnosed when she was five or six so that is a really interesting point. Another one have dyslexia got a first class honours degree it took twice as much time and effort as others required just contacting you Susan on the programme to encourage others to indicate it can be done that came in from Mary and we might finish up on this one 
Read Write Gold and Dragon Dictate are two computer games useful for dyslexia and the pen is cool because you can draw a keyboard and play it with it and teach it bad words so that came into us too. We will have much more advice coming up after the news. Also to mention uh, Dyslexia Ireland on Twitter at Dyslexia Ireland are a great resource someone says as well uh, so check them out if you need some advice but we will return to this after the news. Susan sitting in for Kira Kelly on Lunchtime Live this Friday. We are on Scripted. We've been spending a lot of time talking about dyslexia earlier in the programme. Lots of you getting in touch on this. People wondering about getting diagnosed with dyslexia. People who didn't get diagnosed until they were adults. Also supports available for children or lack of supports available. Uh, Kira is on the line. Kira, you grew up in the 70s and dyslexia maybe wasn't diagnosed or dealt with back then. What was it like for you? Can you tell us? Oh, it was awful. Um, Really, really horrible because I had reading and writing difficulties and I went to special classes called remedial classes. But you were the dunce. Mm. You were stupid. That's why you went to them. And it wasn't just the girls in the class. It was the teachers as well. They kind of didn't want to deal with you. And um, it just was awful because I just couldn't get my head around reading and writing. You know, my spelling was off, my grammar. And I couldn't read properly. And I I remember once being asked to read in the class and I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get the first word out. And I was reduced to tears. I was eight years of age. I can still see myself crying. And it was really, in the 70s, it was like, if you were any way different, they didn't want to know. Yeah. Because there were so many kids in the class, you know, and they had their teaching thing and that was it. But there was no support. There was no help. Like once <clears throat> I wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia they didn't I don't even know if the word existed in Ireland at that stage but even through secondary school you know my reading and my writing was really not good and it did make me feel like I was stupid like I'm 51 and I used to feel like I was stupid and it was um, that whole thing, Kira, of like, and you know, like I would have gone to primary school in the 80s and, you know, even then it was this kind of thing of a, someone being a slow learner, like, and that would have been yeah, a thing that yeah. would have been said and people would have gotten up from the class and went out to a different class. And it has changed hugely since then. But that oh, was absolutely. a definite thing in yeah. the 70s and the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were stupid. You were dunce. Like they used to have the cones with the D on top of it. That wasn't a cartoon. That was true. And you were way, no, you were made to feel like you're stupid, you know. And when did you get diagnosed then, Kira? I didn't officially get diagnosed. I've never officially been diagnosed. Okay, so you just kind um, of managed to get through school. Yeah, I was watching a program with my mum when I was 19 and Henry Winkler, the Fonz, was on it. And he was talking about dyslexia. And I kind of knew myself because I'd heard about it and I'd read about it. And I'm thinking, that's me, that's me. And the one thing that I had was that when I would read, my eyes would jump all over the page, which is a classic mm. sign dyslexia. of dyslexia. Yeah. 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 And Henry Winkler was talking about that. And I turned to my mom and we both went, that's what you have. And yeah. I was like, yeah, finally, I knew that. Okay, you know, it's not just because I don't try hard enough. (laughs) Yeah, there's some reason there. And when I was in college, I had to do a project, and for the um, the lecture was given the back, and he said somebody got nine and three quarter percent, 
and he was giving them all back and I wasn't getting mine back and I wasn't getting mine back and I wasn't getting mine back and the last one I still hadn't got and he said this person got nine and three quarters percent and only because the spelling the grammar and the writing wasn't good would have got ten percent and he said congratulations Kira." and I was like oh my god I got the highest mark out of 150 which sounds ridiculous but I was thrilled and he called me up afterwards and he said you should have told us you have dyslexia and I went well, I've never been diagnosed. And um, he sat down and he went through things and he said, yes, you have. Really? And it's amazing. At 19, finally in college at 19 in 1987 or 88, somebody actually said the words to me. And it made me feel like I wasn't stupid and yeah. I wasn't thick. You know, but what but a shame that, that you went yeah now. like what a shame that you went through yeah. primary school and you can see yourself as an eight year old crying because you were asked to oh, read yeah. out loud in yeah. class or whatever else went on in secondary school for you like what an absolute shame that you had to that that's what school is is in your head you know yeah and I my youngest is autistic and I knew from the time he was very young because he was nonverbal something wasn't right and I have been that lioness mother and I have fought and fought and fought to get somebody to listen to him. And I fought and I fought and eventually I got speech therapy for him. And he goes to a girls' school because all my kids have gone through the girls' school and the girl course. And we debated whether he should do it and they went, yeah, no problem. It's, it's speech, it's not language. Now I have to say the school's been fantastic, absolutely fantastic with us and they supported us and when the school psychologist came in we were getting unofficial help she said give me what you have i get a huge folder of everything i have about my son and like it's so different now it is so different. it is he's different he's Ke- flying and i'm so determined he will not fall through the crack, yeah and that you, you know? you'll be his advocate kira what um, yeah. what what has kind of later life been like then i mean obviously you had a tough time in primary school and secondary school it was a bit of a relief obviously to get that diagnosis or acknowledgement i guess yeah. from that lecture yeah. do you feel did you feel kind of um a bit afraid in trying to help your own children with school do you feel vulnerable in certain situations with your dyslexia or are you open about it how do you kind of cope as an adult with it well I'm open about it because mm. it's now open you know you can say it mm. um, with my own kids um, I do feel a lot of times I can't help them with homework and stuff um, looking at my husband now is you know he can help them a lot um, if I'm spelling something and I don't know how to spell it I'll ask my husband how do you spell this and it's not that I don't know how to spell it it's I can't think of how to spell it okay yeah if you know what I mean Mm. um I worked as a chef for 10 years and then I changed careers and I went into administration and when I'd be typing I'd always type the t-e-h instead of t-h-e and my 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 last boss used to come in and she'd say we have to set up a programme here now so, you know, it'll automatically correct it for you mm. because I just can't see it. I know, and yeah. And there's other words, P-E-R and P-R-E, I can't see them. So it's specific groups them. of letters that, that cause yeah. you the most difficult difficulty. Yeah. Um, okay, Kira, thanks so much for talking to us on Lunchtime Live. I appreciate your time. I want to move on to Jojo, who's on the line from Cork. Our Joe, Joe, what's been your experience with dyslexia? So I've an eight-year-old who's recently been diagnosed with dyslexia or specific learning disability, reading and writing. And 
I have to say, our experience of the diagnostic process was largely positive in that this isn't our first angle with disability services. So we knew from the off we were going to get no public diagnosis or if we were, the route was going to be long. And we just bit the bullet and found a fantastic educational psychologist privately who spent a number of hours working with them and spoke to the school and spoke to us. And we got the diagnosis that way. But where we are now is trying to figure out well, where do we go from here and what supports do we need? So we know we need a laptop firm and we have that in train. But what is the ongoing? And just what prompted me to um, get in contact was just at exactly the same time that we started the discussion, I got an email from the Dyslexic Association of Ireland offering him a place on a 13-week workshop in September, which is great. It's a group session every Tuesday evening. The email came from the finance person and it was the invoice for 390 oh, euros. Okay. Period. I was like, okay, there's another back to school expense that I hadn't factored in that we've got to get. And we know that and he has other comorbidities. We know this stuff is expensive, but it's like, okay. So this is another thing we're going to have to face every term now going forward. And what age did you say he was, Joe? He's eight. So instead, I mean, it, it, dyslexia itself came as no surprise to us. We've known for a number of years, but the recommendations from the school and from the psychologist was to wait until he was at least seven because a lot of the classic kind of dyslexia, the B's and D's and things mm. upside down and that kind of thing, they will correct themselves automatically in a number of children and it's not dyslexia at all. But that by about seven, eight, the patterns exist and that was the proper time to test. So that's why we got the test done at this stage. But it wasn't a surprise to us. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because it, it's obviously it, there's lots of different little kind of uh, nuances to it. So it's not like, as you say, that they're some of the classic symptoms are the B or the D. But then you can have like our last caller who had a problem with T-H-E being H-T-E. You know, it can, it's yeah. very specific, can't it be? It can, and, but the educational psychologists are the expert in this mm. and they do a whole that. I mean, think I'm gonna say it. there was about five hours of testing involved altogether because they did cognitive testing. Yeah, someone else testing. earlier so was, said was, yeah, a couple so, of hours. You know, I mean, I'm not the expert in that area, but the, the, the guy who is would give you every confidence that, you know, he's looking for the right thing. And, and, and see, can he find it? Yeah. OK, Joe, yeah. thanks for talking to us. I appreciate your time. I want to move on um, to Elaine, who's also on the line. Elaine, what's your dyslexia story? Oh, it's uh, first time out. Oh, really? So, um, this is this is hot off the press. Oh, go on. Um, when I got up this morning, this is the last thing on my mind, I can tell you. But um, I got snippets, Susan, of your um, chats. Yeah. And I just thought maybe it would be worthwhile. I'm at a stage in my life where I'm not long retired. And I have no need to share my story. Yeah. My story is my story, but I don't need to share it. But it just might be of interest to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us. So um, I'm one of six. I'm one of seven of six siblings. And I think without the parents I had, who aren't perfect, but they were very innovative and foreseeing in my regard. And um, anyway, all growing up, I was the tripper, the faller, the breaker of bones, the get into trouble, all that sort of stuff. But at school, it was a disaster absolute disaster so the nuns would have written me off would have got me into a bad corner all that sort of thing mm. but anyway it escalated and um, 
Now, at this stage, my sister, my elder sister, was tying my shoelaces, maybe buttoning my buttons. All the siblings had a role to play. One of them would help with English, one would help with Irish. And this is a normal development. This wasn't extraordinary. This is just, this is what Elaine needed and this is what she got. There's no discussion around it or anything like that. They just did it. So, well, it's just, that's what you do in a big mm. family and you're around one table. So you just passed it around and people helped. And um, it was when I was about 11, I was 11, and came home from school and there had been a phone call, not an unusual one, to say this has to stop, we can't continue. And my poor mum, you know, who was an extremely quiet, even gentil lady, just didn't know what to do. My dad came up from work and he said, this is it, no more. They both went in and had a conversation in the convent. And um, anyway, whatever happened, I was then shipped up to Dublin and had my assessment, which I remember in vivid detail to this day. But the biggest part I remember was Dr. Paul actually not having the conversation about the outcome until I was in the room. This is a long number of years Mm. ago. And I do remember what he said was, yes, there are significant problems here and even deficits. But then he said, judging by what Elaine has achieved here today, whatever they are, she'll surmount them. Wow, that's an incredible story. Well, well, I think what he referred to was, when it came to shapes and that, I tried to mould the shapes into where they should go. (laughs) Put a square into a circle. (laughs) Oh, no bother. bother. That'll get you far. So little things like that. Um, So they changed my school straight away. And I was put into a two-teacher school away from all my siblings. And I think in that school, Master Jordan was the innovative teacher. And I think we were all there with different needs. Now, it was a local public school. It wasn't any special school. But there were lots of us with individual needs. And he picked up on my trip steps and falls and all that, my and I wasn't out in the playground playing with football which was the play which was just a muck field mm. because I would have been the joker and he would not allow me to be the joker okay. so I was in the shed restoring furniture which gave me a love of furniture to this day um, so there were different ways that things were tweaked so um, I also remember um, when I'm out this might have missed out on the, the text. Um, my career was nursing. So and you went um, on after school. You did well in that school and then were able to go on to nursing I after say that. I did well. Would you I manage? I did well. I, did, I was high headline copybook. So at the age of 12, I was doing four-year-old work. Okay. I'd never read a book, ever. I read my first book when I was 15 and it was what Cassie did. My mum had exhausted everything in what to get me to read and how to get me to read. And um, one of my toys from Santa Claus on my last Santa Claus was fuzzy felt. A little felt picture that you could make by just putting it on a sticky surface. Because my dyspraxia was such that I wasn't a colour or a drawer. Or anything like that. But and Elaine, fi- fill in the years for me because I, I'm going to run out of time and I want to know what happened yeah. to that girl who could make a square <laughs> well, into a circle. Well, well, as a student, um, I remember sharing houses with some of my siblings and I remember being in one room and shouting, how do you spell? Now, I was an adult at this stage 
And I remember my middle last brother shouting out and I was mortified at this stage and I was annoyed at myself and I was a little bit upset. I mean, here I was trying to do a career in nursing and asking somebody to spell. But anyway, I shouted out, how do you spell? And he shouted back, listen, don't worry about it. You can't be pretty and spell too. <laughs> so there was that ethos, you know, of, mm. it's not a big deal. You know, it's just you. Anyway, fast forward. Um, there was never a confession. Uh, there was never an allowance. And my parents made the decision not to tell me. So I never actually knew what it was. Um, so I was doing my third year nursing. And I flipped, absolutely flipped. And um, I just said, I can't do this. One tutor had pulled me aside and told me not to embarrass the School of Nursing because my writing and spelling was so bad, they wouldn't be able to read it anyway. So I actually took it down the corridor and then I went to the, um, one of the tutors and I just said, you know, this is ridiculous. I can't be doing this. And this is what was said to me. So they said, look, sit down, we have something to tell you. When you came in to us, your parents told us, did you ever know or have they told you since? And they said, you have dyslexia. And you didn't know so all that time. time? No, 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 no. So um, I went into the exam thinking, wasn't I a cute little lady now to get through all that? <laughs> now, I'm not altogether sure I knew what dyslexia was or the total impact of it. Mm. But they gave a word to what I was going through and experiencing. And I grabbed it. Anyway, fast forward again and just to conclude your programme. I finished as the director of nursing. Oh, fantastic. Before I retired. So um, I could spot a dyslexic child at 20 feet, 20 yeah. So early detection, not early detection. I think labelling is not good. And I think making excuses, I think I would have gone down a different path altogether if I had known. Um, so I'm not sure about scribes and about... Um, Confessions. I'm not sure about all of that. I think there are places for it, absolutely. And I don't think any child should be disadvantaged because they have a difference. But I would be very cautious with labels in any regard. And do you, Elaine, finally then tell me quickly, do you, are you open about it now? Do you tell people that story or, or you know, is it something that uh, you don't feel is necessary? It's going to be a big shock. It's, oh no, it's going to be a big shock on the radio. Oh gosh, I don't think it's necessary. The reason I didn't ever share it in nursing when it would have helped me to say to people, get off my back. I yeah. actually have a difficulty. Or um, little situations like that. Um, I, the reason I didn't share, and I heard some of your um, previous callers and why they might have shared, but why I didn't share was because uh, I didn't want to be somebody talked about. Yeah, you didn't want, want people saying, to say, that's Elaine with the dyslexia or whatever. You didn't want the label attached to you. She did such and such because she's dyslexic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Elaine. It really wouldn't have been the case anyway. Yeah, Elaine, sorry, I've run right. out of time now, but thanks so much for telling us that story. I appreciate your time on Lunchtime Live. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment.